0: Hey, and welcome to the 12 Stone Church Podcast. Thank you so much for taking time to be a part of today's message. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, and deepens your faith in Jesus. Enjoy the message.
1: Isn't that amazing? Um, my goodness, that is, that's making a difference. Um, hey, by the way, uh, it's a little dusty in here, so I don't know if you got dust in your eyes, but uh, it is the dust, uh, in case you're wondering. Um, hey, uh, I'm excited for today. Let me let me get to our conversation of what we're gonna be talking about today by telling you about a new family Christmas tradition that we have. Um, it actually started a few years ago. Uh, we started watching the show called The Holiday Baking Championship. Have you guys ever seen that? Okay, yeah. There we go. We got some fans in the room. Well, listen, uh, it's become a thing in our house now, okay? Because it's nice and Christmassy. And so now, uh, once a week, we sit on the couch together, we make some popcorn, and we watch the show. But we don't just watch the show. Uh, because we're too competitive for that, okay? So what we do is all of us, we each choose a different person that we're cheering for to win the competition that week. And then throughout, or, you know, throughout the uh, episode, we kind of smack talk each other, you know? So like, Judah's like, my guy's going to win. And I'm like, uh-uh, you guys got nothing on my girl. Like, look at the fondant she's making, you know? <laughs> Which I don't even know what that is, but she's making it, you know? And so we're just kind of doing that. Well, anyways, a few, a few weeks ago, uh, Judah's person that he was cheering for, a guy named Javier won the competition that week. And I want to show you the winning dessert that he made. It's this. It's beginning to cost a lot like Christmas. <laughs> awesome. Now, now Judah didn't get the joke, but the judges did. And they did what you did. You know, they kind of chuckled. And, you know, they were like, you're not wrong. You know, it's like this time of year is just expensive. And you're probably thinking the same thing. It's like that. That's true. That's not just something on a cake. Like, I feel that because everything just, costs more. You know, it's like you got to buy presents for all these people, and I don't know what it is, but this year the presents just cost more. You know, they cost more than they used to, and then there's always people that like you got to buy for, and you kind of forgot to buy for them until the last minute, and then you got to go spend, uh, you know, more money doing that, Um, and then also you've got like the in-laws coming into town, and you got to, you know, pay for meals and all that stuff, and then also you got the Christmas decorations up, but the Christmas decorations are kind of old. You want to get some new ones that Chip and Joanna Gaines would be proud of, you know? So you got to go to the store and you got to go buy more of those. And then your neighbor put up their lights and their lights are better than your lights. And then you got to shell out more cash to go buy more lights, right? It's like this time of year, everything just costs more because this time of year we feel the financial stress, right? Financial stress. Because everything costs more and we just kind of feel the pinch. And for a lot of us, in the room the financial stress isn't just a december thing right it's like a it's a year round thing in fact if you're in the room and you've ever thought man if i just had a little bit more that's kind of a sign of some financial stress or if you've ever thought man if i made what she made or i made what he made then i'd be good right that's a sign of financial stress in fact, I, um, I ran across this survey recently, I want to show it to you, it found this, it found that 7 in 10 believe more money would solve most of their problems, and this is interesting, it, it doesn't say most of their financial problems, it just says most of their problems, right? Because if I had a little bit more, then like, you know, me and my spouse wouldn't be fighting all the time. Or if if I had a little bit more, then I'd be able to afford that thing for my kids and then they would have a great life. Or if I just had a little bit more, then our future would be secure. This is financial stress. In fact, look at how, you know, the survey continues. It says 73% of Americans saying they're experiencing, and this is the word for today, financial stress. So a lot of us in this room feel that. Right? Like, in fact, I've been talking to a lot of you, and you've told me, some of you have told me, you feel like financially you can't even get your head above water. It's like you feel like you're drowning, just trying to make payments. Others of you have told me that, you know, it's like we got our head above water, but I feel like I'm working so hard and we're not making any progress. It feels like I'm treading water. Others of you, you know, you feel like, look, we're making progress, like. Things are good, but honestly, I'm kind of worried. I'm stressed about the future. It's like, we're good right now, but are we going to be good? You know, because I got plans for the family. I got plans for the future, and I kind of feel stressed because I'm not sure that those plans are actually going to work out. We feel, most of us in this room, feel at least some sort of financial stress. So here's the question for today. How can I have hope in financial stress? Because financial stress is a reality for most of us, but how do we actually have hope? Now, let me give a quick PSA, okay? This is not going to be a money 101 talk, okay? So you can relax. It's okay. We're not going to do that. This isn't a money 101 talk. This is a hope 101 talk. Because here's the reality, okay? And I hate to be the bearer of bad news. (laughs) But you and I, for the rest of our lives, will experience some sort of financial stress. Like, even if you do all the right things and you check all the financial boxes, there will always be moments in your life and in my life where we feel a little bit of limitation, a little bit of, man, I wish I had more, a little bit of, if only I made what she made or only I made what he made, we're going to feel the financial stress, but you don't have to feel hopeless. So today, we're going to talk about how do we actually have hope, even with that financial stress, because financial stress is not a new thing. I mean, this has been happening for thousands of years. Like, did you know that 2,000 years ago, the Christmas story, the birth of Jesus, was covered up in financial stress? So here's what we're going to do today, okay? We're going to take a fresh look at the Christmas story through the lens of financial stress, okay? And we're going to see some things in the Christmas story that maybe you've never seen before. But the reason we're going to do that is so that we can then zoom out and look at our financial stress through the lens of the Christmas story, so that we can have hope. Okay, so let's talk about uh, the Christmas story. Did you know that the Christmas story actually begins with taxes? Yeah, it's true. It does. Talk about financial stress right out the gate, okay? Luke chapter 2, which is like the big Christmas narrative, okay? This is the one that like Linus quotes to Charlie Brown. Luke chapter 2, okay? Verse 1, here's how it starts. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And everyone said, boo, yeah, boo. Okay, all the world should be taxed. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. See, you thought taxes were a new thing. Uh Uh-uh, they've been happening for a long time. Literally in the prologue to the birth of our Savior, taxes show up. Okay, so that's financial stress number one that Mary and Joseph experience. They experience the financial stress of taxes, okay? Um, But it's not just taxes because, see, uh, they couldn't submit their tax forms online like you and I do now. They had to go travel in order to pay those taxes, and that's the next financial stress is travel. And some of you are like, well, travel, how is that a financial stress? Well, let me ask you. Have you ever traveled anywhere before, okay? Because you, yeah, you got to pay for the gas in your car, right? You got to pay for the plane ticket. And Mary and Joseph were like, this donkey's not going to pay for himself, you know? It's like, it's going to cost money. Plus, when you're traveling, it always costs more when you're on the road, and it costs more for them as well, so they feel the financial stress. And they had to get a place to stay. Because, oh yeah, by the way, it wasn't just paying taxes, and it wasn't just travel. Mary was nine months pregnant, so how about that financial stress of the medical bills, of the raising kids, right? That's another financial stress they felt. And a lot of you, you already know this part of the story, right? They looked for a place um, to stay, and they couldn't find one. So she had to deliver her baby in a barn or a cave. Talk about stress. And then about a month after Jesus was born, there was more financial stress. But for a lot of us, we kind of overlooked this part of the story. See, there was a religious, cultural, financial stress that Mary and Joseph felt, and it's in Luke 2, 22. So I want to show it to you real quick. Luke chapter 2, verse 22, here's what it says. It says, when the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, which essentially is like 40 days after Jesus was born, they had to give a sacrifice. Okay, So Joseph and Mary took him, which is Jesus, to Jerusalem to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Okay, so this was the normal custom of the day. But pay attention, see how there's, like a, there's a quote right at the end of what Luke says? What Luke is doing in that moment is he's telling us what kind of sacrifice Mary and Joseph had to bring. A pair of doves, two young pigeons. He actually quotes Leviticus. And let me show you what he quotes. It says, but if she cannot afford a lamb. She is to bring two doves or two young pigeons. So, why did Mary and Joseph bring two doves or two young pigeons? Because well, they couldn't afford the proper sacrifice. Because <laughs> they had financial stress. Because they didn't have enough for a lamb. Now let me just pause here for a second, because... A lot of you in the room, when you feel the financial stress, it's because you don't have enough. And when you feel like you don't have enough, it's easy to feel like I am not enough. And I'm sure it would have been easy for Mary and Joseph to feel the same way under the weight of all this financial stress. And then there's one more that I want to show you. And a lot of you know this part of the story. Two years after Jesus was born, some travelers from the East came and they gave Jesus some gifts. Um, This is the wise men, right? And uh, one of the gifts they gave was gold. So imagine being Mary and Joseph. It's like, that's a good day when gold shows up to your house. It's like, you know, that's a financial windfall. It's like, finally, we got a little bit of margin in the budget, right? Well, right after they dropped off the gifts, um, Mary and Joseph actually had to pick up in the middle of the night and they had to leave because King Herod was trying to kill Jesus, and so they had to flee to a foreign country. They had to go to Egypt as refugees. And this is a financial stress most of us in the room will never know anything about. In fact, most historians believe that the gold that was given to them by the wise men was actually turned around and used to pay for the expenses of being a refugee. So here's Mary and Joseph under the weight of intense financial stress. And how did they respond? Now, before I show you, let's just be real for a second. How would you respond? (laughs) Because I know how I'd respond. I'd probably respond by being frustrated or angry or upset or confused. Like, God, how could you do this to us? Right? Like I imagine like being Joseph and, you know, praying to God and going, God, you told us that we're supposed to raise the savior of the world. And right before he's born, you tax us, and then you make us travel. Oh, and then you can't even give us a room to deliver the baby. And God, do you know how embarrassing it is to show up to the temple and you can't even afford the proper sacrifice? And then you make us turn around and become refugees. God, what are you doing? That's how I would have responded. Maybe that's how you would have responded. Maybe now in the midst of your financial stress, that is how you are responding. But how did Mary respond? Luke tells us. It says, Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Okay, this (laughs) treasure, it's like, come on, Mary, you just gave birth in a barn. You know, Mary, come on, you've got to be a refugee. You can't even afford the proper sacrifice. And you're treasuring these things? She's treasuring these things. In fact, Luke doubles down. Like a few verses later, he says this, but his mother treasured all these things. He says it again in case we forget or in case we overlook it. She treasured all these things in her heart, which is an interesting choice of words, isn't it? Treasure all these things. It's almost like Luke is saying, even without money, Mary found something to treasure. And by the way, that phrase, treasured all these things, it doesn't mean that she had all of her questions answered. It didn't mean she fully understood what God was doing. Actually, it means the opposite. It means she still had questions. She still had the weight of financial stress, and yet even in the midst of that, she found something more important to treasure. And I want to lean into this Christmas perspective for a moment of treasuring all these things, because normally money has this like gravitational pull and money stress has this gravitational pull to make us think that what we can afford is the most important thing in our life, which is why when we feel financial stress, a lot of times we say this, if I just had more, right, come on, if I just had more presents under the tree, Right. If I man, if I just had, you know, if I could just afford this payment, man, if I just had more in my savings, if I just had more in my IRA or my retirement, man, if I just had more, then we'd be good because with a little bit more then my spouse and I wouldn't be fighting all the time right? Come on, with just a little bit more, we'd be able to afford those things for our kids and set them up to have the best possible life. Because if I just had a little bit more, I wouldn't be so anxious and so stressed all the time. If I just had a little bit more, then we'd have peace. And what's interesting is it's almost like Mary understood that just a little more is never enough. Like, just a little more, it never quite fills the gap. Like, here's what I mean. Um, I remember um, being a poor college student, and um, I was just in student loan debt, uh, up to my eyeballs. I was uh, working a part-time job, going further into debt every single month, and I remember thinking, if, if I just had just a little bit more. Well then... Um, My wife and I got married. I got my first full-time job, making way more than I was making before. Um, But the full-time job wasn't a great job. In fact, it was kind of a bad job. Um, I actually worked at a telemarketing company. (laughs) You know those guys that call you on the phone when you don't want to talk to them? Uh, That was me. That was me. And if you're wondering, yes, it's just as bad as you can imagine, okay? So... And, and, and the pay was bad, too. I was, uh, I was making $9 an hour trying to support Catherine and I. And I remember thinking, you know, again, it's more than I was making before, but I remember in that moment thinking, if I just had a little bit more. Well, then um, I ended up getting some raises and promotions. Catherine, um, even though she was still a student, she ended up working part-time. So we were able to make ends meet. But I remember in that moment thinking, well, this is good. But if, I just, if we just had just a little bit more, Fast forward a few years later, I remember Catherine and I. Um, we both had full time jobs. She was in finance. I was in software. Okay, uh, we were living in the middle of Atlanta. We were double income, no kids, dinks. Okay, or as my parents' generation called us, yuppies. Okay, so we were yuppies living in the middle of Atlanta, making money hand over fist without any expenses of kids. And I remember in that moment thinking, "This is great, but if I had just a little bit more, right?" Because if I had a little more as a moving target, isn't it? It shows up in every age and stage and financial position in life. And a lot of times we think I'd have hope or I'd have peace if I just made what he made or if I just made what she made or if I just had a little bit more. Then I would be content. Then I would be good. Then life would be good if only I had a little bit more. And listen, if you saddle all your hopes on having just a little more, you might be waiting forever. But Mary didn't do that. See, Mary realized that I don't have to have more to have what matters most. Let me say that again. I don't have to have more to have what matters most, that there are more important things in life, and I don't have to have more. In fact, we see Mary treasuring all these things after after giving birth in a cave. We see Mary treasuring all these things, even though she couldn't afford the proper sacrifice. She's still still treasuring all these things when she's a refugee in Egypt, because she realized she didn't have to have more to have what matters most. She realized that life It's more than just the stuff we have and the stuff we can afford. In fact, Jesus himself said this exact same thing 30 years later. It's so fascinating. This family came up to him, and they had just lost a loved one. But this family was arguing amongst themselves about who should get the inheritance. And in this moment, Jesus is like, guys, you've missed it. You've you've lost sight of what actually matters most. And this is what Jesus said to that family. He said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. And then he drops this bomb. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Your life and my life is more than just the stuff that we have or the stuff that's under the tree. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. There's so much more to life, which is why Mary, in the midst of her financial stress, was able to treasure the things that she had. And this is the Christmas perspective. So how do we actually do that? Like, how do we do what Mary did to treasure all these things, even though the weight of financial stress is still there? How do we actually live that out? today. And so I want to get real practical and talk about three things that we see in the life of Mary that we can actually apply literally today. So here's the first one. It's practice gratitude. Now, I know some of you see that and you're like, that's so obvious, Steve. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It is so obvious, but we're so bad at it. Okay, that's the the reason I bring this up is because I don't wake up in the morning with a knee-jerk reaction of gratitude, right? Like when's the last time that you just listed all the things that you're grateful for? Yeah, it's probably been a while, right? Because we don't do this naturally, but we see Mary do this, that even though she had so little, she was grateful for what she did have. And that's also why I put the word practice. Because this is something that we all know to do, but we need to actually put it into practice. And so there's this tradition that um, Catherine and I have. Uh, We've been doing this for a few years where right around this time of year, actually right at the end of the year, uh, we go on a date night and we literally write out all of the things that we're grateful for from the year before. And so we go on this date night and I'll bring either like a sheet of paper or I'll bring a, um, a journal like this. And, you know, we'll, we'll talk about what we're grateful for. And when I use the term date night, I kind of use that term uh, loosely, because sometimes, you know, there's some years where we've gone to a really nice restaurant, we've listed out what we're grateful for. Other times, we just have a meal at home, and we list what we're grateful for. Last year, actually, we wanted to involve the kids. So we thought, hey, what if we, you know, go to Chick-fil-A, and we have the kids there with us. And so we did that last year, and it was... Um, very loud. Uh, it was very loud. Chick-fil-A sauce was everywhere, and it was just, I don't know that we're going to do that again, but we tried it. You know, We wanted to practice gratitude. So this is, this is literally my list from last year. He said Chick-fil-A right there. And I just want to read a few things that, that we wrote. Um, the first one is Judah rode his bike without training wheels. That was a cool one. We were grateful for that. I'll tell him you clapped. Uh, that was good. He, he rode his bike. Oh, this is a fun one. Um, Anchor, fully potty trained. Thank you, Jesus. Some of you are like, how old is Anchor? He's 24. I'm just kidding. No, he is. He, no, he's a normal uh, normal kid. <laughs> uh, oh, this is a fun one. Um, UGA beat Alabama and became national champs. That's right there. Hey, Hey, listen, I don't make the news. I just deliver the news, okay? So... Uh, Also, this is evidence that we beat y'all, okay? Once, Uh, only once, only once. I also put, um, Judah and I went on our first backpacking trip together. That was a a cool moment. Um, I wrote down y'all's name. They accepted Jesus last year, and I was just so grateful. And do you know what else happened in 2022? We had um, medical bills. We had disappointments. We had financial stress. And even in the midst of all of that, we had so much to be grateful for. And so do you. Even in the midst of all the stress And the finances, and some of you feel like you're underwater, and others of you are so stressed and worried about the future. We have so much to be grateful for. So what if this Christmas, what if today, you and your spouse, or maybe just you by yourself, and you just said, we're going to list it out. Because we have so much to be grateful for. So the first one is to practice gratitude. Um, The second one is to learn contentment. And this kind of builds, right? It's like contentment is a, is a byproduct of gratitude. And by the way, contentment takes a long time to build. It really does. That's why I put learn there, because we got we to gotta learn it. Catherine and I are still learning contentment. <laughs> In fact, we have, a, um, we have a monthly budget that we stick to. And by the way, budgets are so um, limiting and annoying. Um, they're awful. And... <laughs> The reason they're limiting and annoying is because there's so much stuff I want to buy. Like, there really is. And if I could just have that stuff, then I'd be good, you know? And and that's why we actually have a budget. In fact, at the top of our budget, like the top of the spreadsheet, we have this verse. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Now, why do I have this verse at the top of our budget? (laughs) Because when I'm tempted to overspend, like when I'm tempted to go out to eat when I know we should just do a meal at home, when I'm tempted to live beyond our means, I've forgotten that it's okay and that I can actually be content with what I have right here. In fact, many times in that moment, I think something out there is going to solve something that's happening right here. And this verse reminds me, no, I can actually be content With what I have. And here's what's interesting. This verse has been at the top of our budget when we had one income, when we had two incomes, when we had no kids, when we had one kid, two kids, three kids. This verse is always there because contentment has nothing to do with our financial situation. And you know this, right? Like, have you ever met someone that makes so much more money than you and so much more money than me, and yet they are just never content? But you also know people, and I know people who have so much less than we do, and they are so content. Because contentment has nothing to do with our financial situation. In fact, this verse actually gives a clue to it. I want to show you the rest of the verse. It continues on. It says, keep your lives free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. Because, here's why. God has said, never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. Notice this verse doesn't say, because never will money leave you, and never will stuff forsake you. No, it doesn't say that. It's God saying, never will I leave you or forsake you. Almost like he's reminding us, listen, even when the money leaves, I won't. Even when the stuff runs out, I won't. Because you can be content regardless of your financial circumstance which is why maybe one of the best things you can do this Christmas and I can do this Christmas is turn off Instagram, right? Because, because, come on, because who cares what she got him for Christmas? I mean, who cares what trip they went on? That's, come on, that's not your life. That's their life. And you can be content with what you have. You don't have to wait for contentment to have what they have. You can be content right now because, come on, what did Jesus say? Jesus said, life, your life and my life, does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Which means we can be content with what we have right now because life is so much more. It doesn't consist in the abundance of our possessions. And listen, these are the words of Jesus right here. And what I know of Jesus, and what I know of the context of this verse, and what I know about scripture as a whole, Jesus could have very easily added, but life does consist in an abundance of relationships. Because what is it that actually matters most? Well, according to Jesus, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, relationships. Your relationship with God and your relationship with others. So what actually matters most is relationships, which is why the third thing that we see Mary do is prioritize relationships. Even when she had so little, you see her paying attention to her relationship with her newborn, Jesus. Her relationship with her husband, Joseph. Her relationship with her cousin, Elizabeth. And most importantly, her relationship with God. She's paying attention to the relationships that matter most, which is why she was able to treasure all these things. And the most important relationship, the most important thing that you and I can prioritize is our relationship with God, who loves us, who cares about us. In fact, you know this part of the story, this part of the Christmas story, right? There were some financially stressed shepherds overwhelmed with their financial situation, making minimum wage, and they're out in the middle of a field, and then angels show up, and what do the angels say? They say this, the angel said to them, do not be afraid, I bring you good news, that will cause great joy for all the people. And I just imagine that one of those shepherds who is poor and stressed and overwhelmed with the financial burden of life, making minimum wage is like, good news, great joy. Where's the money? You know, what are you going to give us? He says, i tell you what we're going to give you. We're going to give you today in the town of David, a savior, a person, a relationship. That's what we're going to give you. A savior has been born to you, and he, Jesus is the Messiah. He, Jesus, is the Lord. Because in the midst of when the world needed hope, God didn't send riches, He sent His Son. He showed up, He made Himself available. Your Heavenly Father and my Heavenly Father has given us unparalleled access to Himself. And He's here for you and for me. Because that is what matters most. And so first it's your relationship with God and then it's your relationship with others. And by the way, if you're a parent... Then today, God is inviting you to do the same thing that your heavenly father has done for you. He wants you to do for your kids. To show up. To be available. To give your kids unparalleled access to yourself. (laughs) Because our kids probably don't remember what we got them two years ago for Christmas. Which means they're probably not going to remember what we got them for Christmas this year. But I tell you what they will remember. Is the time that we spent with them. Is the access that we gave them. Is the memories that we made with them. So what if instead of focusing on buying memories, we focused on making memories with our kids giving them access to ourselves. Because that is what matters most. Your relationship with God and your relationship with others. So the pastors are going to come up and they're going to pray for you. And this is going to be a meaningful moment of prayer. And right before we pray, let me just ask you, what if this Christmas was different? What if this Christmas, literally today, what if you practiced gratitude instead of looking for stuff out there? And if only I had more, you said, no, I have so much to be grateful for. What if this Christmas, God began to grow contentment in you and in me when we stopped looking at other people's lives and started paying attention to what we have going, I can be content with what I have? And what if this Christmas we paid the most attention to the relationships that we have, not the stuff that we're gonna buy, but who is right in front of us? Because that is what matters most. So pastors, would you pray for us?
0: Thank you again for spending time with us today. A special thanks to those of you who generously give through 12 Stone. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. And if you want to learn more about 12 stone, make sure you follow us on social at 12 stone church and check out a location or a watch party near you. And if you enjoyed the podcast, you could subscribe, share it with your friends, hit the share button, or even take a screenshot and throw it in your social stories and make sure to tag 12 stone church. Let it be a blessing to somebody else. Thank you again. And we'll catch you on the next one.